Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. Hello, everybody. This is Rick Thomas with Life Over Coffee. You can find me in my coffee shop at lifeovercoffee.com. Please check out all the resources there. There are thousands upon thousands of them free to you on all things sanctification. I had a pastor write in. He gave me a scenario. I'm going to share it with you because it was such a great question about two people that they had a relational dust up and apparently they just cannot resolve it. And one of the questions that the pastor was asking is about when unforgiveness lingers in a person's soul, can bitterness and resentment enter and actually uh, defile this particular person who is holding on to unforgiveness. And he had several other questions tied to it as well. And again, I'm going to read it to you. It's somewhat lengthy as far as the question that he asked, but it is so applicable to all of us because every one of us have been sinned against and, well, we have sinned against others. And sometimes we can struggle with what other people do to us, even to the point that we can't become cynical and bitter about what happened to us, and we just don't work it out. And so he's asked me some very important questions that I do want to share with you. He did say that uh, I could share this uh, publicly, and so it, it is written out. It is written in a flattened out way, so it's not giving any details whatsoever about the pastor of the church, the location, any of the particulars, uh, but you'll be able to glean so much from it and be able to make application to yourself. Now, also, did you know that you can uh, ask questions uh, if you wish at lifeovercoffee.com? There are two ways that you can do that. We have a an audio service set up, so if you go uh, in the Get In Touch section of our website, which is in the footer, by the way, on every single page. And so just click Get In Touch, and you will see an audio option to where you can record uh, the question that you want to ask, or you can just type it in as this pastor has done. Now, if you want to read a full transcript of what I'm about to share with you, then go over to lifeovercoffee.com. And this is what you're looking for. Here's the title. When, for, when unforgiveness lingers, bitterness enters. And so I will, let me share with you what this pastor's asking me. And then he has some very good questions at the end. And I'm going to work through all of those questions. But first, he said, as a full-time elder and pastor for 27 years, I have seen and walked with people through many forms of offenses and relational conflict. Your resources are helpful and needed in the church today. In the following scenario, I wonder if you could address forgiveness and the need to walk free from resentment and bitterness. I see so many folks who do not do forgiveness well, and when that happens, anger, resentment, and bitterness captivates them. How would you help a person like this? Let me share a case study with you. Now, I'm going to bring in my fictional friends, uh, Biff, of course, many of you are familiar with. He has a buddy, Bert. And so Biff and Bert, they get into a, a dust-up. And so this is the fictionalized rearticulation of what is going on that the pastor is asking me about. And so let's get into this scuffle between Biff and Bert. Once a pastor, Bert has been deeply offended and believes he has been stabbed in the back by someone he once cared for and mentored, Biff. He believes that Biff gossiped and slandered and 
convinced others to side with him to oust Bert from leadership in the church. Bert thinks Biff has lied to the church and others. He says Biff is, <coughs> excuse me, he says Biff is a snake. Now, Biff has legitimately sinned against Bert. That is true. He has transgressed God's word by sinning against God and Bert. Although he has confessed these offenses and agrees there were many things he did wrong, Bert will not meet with Biff or forgive Biff until he agrees in writing and publicly owns all the sins committed according to Bert's perspective. Bert also believes his viewpoint is 100% accurate. Bert's sin list regarding Biff includes also his motives with which Biff disagrees. However, Biff is willing to meet and work through reconciliation. He agrees with some of the wrongs that Bert has charged him with doing. Now, meanwhile, Bert is bitter, though he denies it. Bert has even cut off all interaction with certain people, including family members who have continued to attend the church, also cut off those that, that he ousted, and those who have not taken a stance against Biff. Bert sees Biff as his enemy and anyone else who sides with him. He has justified his unforgiveness toward Biff to certain family members and will not relent until Biff fully repents according to Bert's stipulations. Now, that's the scenario. I know that you can see holes in all of that. There's a lot there that's kind of obvious right on the surface. But then this pastor gave me some questions and asked me uh, if I would just work through them according to how they apply to this case study. And so here are a few of the questions that the pastor asked me, and then I will begin unpacking all of this with a fuller explanation according to the case study. Are we to forgive in our hearts or have pre-forgiveness? Both of those terms are the same. Are we to forgive in our hearts or have pre-forgiveness for someone who does not see they're wrong? They do not confess it correctly. They do not ask for forgiveness. Great question. Then what about an offended person who sets forth a list of offenses and a standard of repentance like what Biff has done with these strict protocols. There's a standard of repentance, confession, forgiveness that the alleged offender can never meet. Number three, is Bert justified in his heart of unforgiveness? Number four, can the offended Bert forgive from the heart without a full confession or repentance from the offender. Would that be pre-forgiveness, he asked? And then, will you touch on the distinction between forgiveness and trust in a relationship where someone has broken the trust? And that will be the final thing that I will deal with because that is a little bit different talking about the future relationship between Bert and Biff. Now, that is something that we need, need to address. But all of, the, all of the other questions that you, can he, that you hear here 
They have to do with this idea of forgiving from the heart, confession, forgiveness, repentance, a protocol, a list of how to repent, and so forth and so on. Now, if you if you do want to read this, just go to lifeovercoffee.com. You can read exactly what I just laid out for you, all the questions that I've just asked, and then what I'm about to share with you, all of that information is there. It is under this title on our website, When Forgiveness Lingers, Bitterness Enters. And so you could probably just type the word lingers in the website, the search box in the upper right-hand corner, and what you'll find is this article, and you'll be able to read it. Uh, you can also watch it, and you can listen to the podcast. And please know there is a, a, a button at the bottom of all of our articles, a big button at the bottom right in the middle, and you can hit that, and then you can print off any of the articles that you wish, and that would be great. All right, so let me jump into this, and I do need to talk a little bit about what pre-forgiveness is, because the bulk of his questions is about forgiving in the heart, pre-forgiveness, how Bert should position himself so that he's not so managed by what Biff did to him. Now, the word pre-forgiveness is a term that I coined as I reflected on the story of Joseph from Genesis chapters 37 through 50, mainly as I observed his interaction with his brothers in the final book's chapter. Joseph's attitude was Christ-like toward his brothers, just to say it succinctly. He didn't show any bitterness, any unkindness, any unforgiveness toward them, even though they were not repentant, even though they were not requesting his forgiveness. This is what I call pre-forgiveness. It is an attitude that we establish in our hearts before anyone comes and asks for forgiveness, or maybe even if they never come and ask for forgiveness. And so pre-forgiveness is a heart of forgiveness before Joseph ever had an opportunity to forgive them transactionally. The implication here is that Joseph had spent some time with the Lord, I mean 13 years, in personal reflection, he worked through the acute tragedies and the disappointments that came at the hands of his brothers. And by the time the opportunity for Joseph to actually grant forgiveness transactionally to his brothers, it's obvious that Joseph had prepared his heart for that transactional moment. Now, I do not know how long Joseph's soul was free enough or out from under the control of his perpetrating brothers because the Bible does not say. But what is clear is that Joseph was a free man even while in the bondage of Egypt the place his sinful brothers sent him. And though they were not free from their crimes, because they never asked Joseph to be free from their crimes, Joseph was free from them in his heart. And so the question is whether or not a person should come to a place of pre-forgiveness like Joseph, which would show evidence of an attitude that is ready to forgive the offender per the offender's request. Now, the answer to this question that this pastor is asking me is an absolute yes for three reasons. Number one, we should always be willing to forgive anyone regardless of their actions, plain and simple. If we are not ready to forgive someone for what they have done, then we are not only not ready, but we are not right with God. Number two, whether the offender asks or not, the desire to forgive 
keeps the offended, keeps Joseph from a captured heart. Or in this scenario, it keeps Bert from a captured heart. And as you listen to that scenario, it is obvious that Bert's heart is very much captivated. And then number three, forgiveness models Christ-likeness. And so that's a little bit about what pre-forgiveness is. It's essential to understand the concept. If you want to re-say it, restate it, reframe it as an attitude of forgiveness, that is quite fine. Being willing to forgive is not forgiving. And so a heart of forgiveness is not forgiving someone for what they did. A desire to forgive does not release the offender from his sin. To be free from sin, the offender, Biff in this case, must ask someone to release him from his transgression. I mean, otherwise, you could just forgive anyone willy-nilly, anyone that you wanted, whether they knew it or not, whether they asked for it or not. I just have a heart of forgiveness toward everybody in my cul-de-sac. Thus, everybody in my cul-de-sac is forgiven. Well, no, that's not how that works. If no one in the cul-de-sac asks for forgiveness, assuming they have sinned, then no one in the cul-de-sac is forgiven. But we must have a heart of forgiveness for all the ones in the cul-de-sac. The idea of pre-forgiveness has very little to do with the offender it is about the offended. It is about an opportunity for the offended to keep from drowning in bitterness. And that is the title of the article here. When forgiveness lingers as it is lingering in Bert's heart, uh, then bitterness will enter. And I think that's where we are with Bert. Have you ever met this kind of person? A common occurrence is someone is legitimately hurt and the offender has not asked for forgiveness. All of us have been sinned against by people who have never asked for forgiveness. Offended people come in two kinds. Those who struggle with bitterness and criticalness and cynicism and suspicion and gossip and slander, and unforgiveness, and anger. That's one kind, and I think Burke can pretty much put his name on most of those labels that I just gave you. And then there are those who are free from those temptations, even though the power of the gospel has not nullified the offender's sin. Peter talked about it this way, and I think this is a helpful passage, one that I gave the pastor, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 18 through 25. He says, For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin and you're beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and you suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. And for this you have been called. Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his steps. That is 1 Peter chapter 2. It's 18 through 20. At this point, I will mention the following verses in just a moment. But humility, self-awareness, maturity, contentment, they characterize this second group of people who are not managed by what has happened to them because they have learned how to find peace in a fallen world. 
Jesus obviously was the most impressive at doing this, and he is our example that we are to walk in his steps. We cannot satisfactorily resolve every sin. Christians must have a clear-headed, practical understanding and application of the gospel in their lives. We live in a messy world, and every relationship in every situation is not going to end like an American movie. It's not going to end with a nice, neat, wrapped package with a bow on top. There will be some situations that will never resolve in this life, regrettably, But that is life in a fallen world, and at least intuitively, we know that. Therefore, we have to work hard to have an attitude of forgiveness toward folks that don't neat things up for us. People that do not come to this place will be susceptible to all kinds of pitfalls. Who has sinned against you and has not come to you seeking your forgiveness? Is your heart more controlled by God's peace or others' sins? What must you do to have a heart of forgiveness like Joseph, regardless of whether your offender has ever sought forgiveness? And this is where Bert is, and Bert needs to understand this. Now, the situation is a little different as you heard the story. Biff is willing to own some of the sins that have been laid out before him. He agrees in part to what he has done. He's willing to work to reconcile, uh, but it appears that Bert is being the more difficult one in this relationship. It's not like Biff does not want to come and ask for forgiveness, confess some of the ones that he believes he has done, and work toward reconciliation. And the question is, should Bert prescribe the depth and the extent of Bill's forgiveness? Now, this is an interesting question because it doesn't come up all the time, but apparently it is in this situation. By the way, the Lord did that for us. He scripted what repentance would look like. He scripted what we must do to be forgiven. He specified how we are to repent and the conditions for our repentance. But with a gospel ironic twist, the scripting that the Lord laid out was perfection. If you want to be forgiven, if you want to have all of your sins obliterated, well, you have to live a perfect life. You have to be absolutely perfect. And so the truth is, that's the ironic twist, he set the standard of repentance so high that none of us could meet it. Of course, that's why he gave himself as the sacrifice for all of our sins. And he did this purposely so that we would avoid the temptation to rely on ourselves for rescue, which is legalism. But we would rely on his works as the only means for salvation. And so there is a script for repentance. And we see that clearly in the Bible. And so you could say that there is a precedent uh, to what Bert is doing. But an example of the gospel does not make a mandate or a pattern that we should employ in anyone's life. In fact, I suspect that many parents have scripted repentance with their children. The child sins, and the parent asks the uh, child to repent, and then they begrudgingly 
the child, grunt out, I'm sorry, under duress. It's scripted out for them. It was precisely according to the parent's prescription. But what did the parent accomplish? Mandated repentance is not necessarily repentance. And Bert is trying to mandate repentance. We parents sometimes can mandate repentance for our children. I trust that's mostly for a teaching opportunity, and we don't really believe that that is true repentance. We need to be careful about mandating or scripting repentance for anyone. True repentance, actual genuine repentance, is when the offender, Biff in this case, experiences convincing by the Spirit of God according to the word of God, of the sins that he has committed. And then he goes to the offended parties, always God, sometimes others. In this case, it is Bert. He goes to the offended parties and he, he shares with them what he has done. And then he asks for forgiveness we call this confession and then forgiveness, that he agrees with God and agrees with Biff about what he did, and then he asks for forgiveness. We regularly ask each other about our offenses in our home. I mean, we try to understand the full scope of the offense, and so it would not be wrong for Biff to go to Bert and say, how have I sinned and come to an agreement. And I think that has somewhat happened here. But the problem is that Bert is saying that the, the grievance or the transgressions is much more severe and not only more severe than what you realize, but you have to repent a specific way. This is not this is wrong. Uh, it, there's a requirement here for the offender and the offended. Th their humility has to concur with the sins that have committed. Any Christian offender should have enough self-suspicion to ask the offended to help to see the offense. And so I don't have any issue with that necessarily. I mean, if you are sick, you want a doctor's input so that you can get all the data necessary so that you can be free from whatever is ailing you. It is an act of humility born out of a sober self-assessment that self-deception is real. However, asking the offended for his perspective does not automatically mean complete agreement with that assessment. You might not always agree, agree with what the doctor tells you, and you may get a second opinion. And so Biff seems to be doing things right. He's willing to engage Bert and get his perspective on what he has done wrong. He is willing to seek the pastor's input too, to, to try to understand what he has done wrong. But it appears that Bert is the one in the wrong here, that Bert sees it much bigger and much deeper. In addition to your repentance has to look like this, and that is problematic. So after collecting all the data, the Spirit of God convinces the offender of the offenses, which is the Spirit's work, not hurt-centered, man-centered manipulations. And again, as I'm reading what the pastor is writing to me, it appears that Bert is not justified in holding on to a heart of unforgiveness, that Bert is a little bit off here. You see, to be justified is to be declared not guilty. 
Justification is a courtroom term where the judge declares someone guilty or not guilty. If he slams the gavel down and says not guilty, then the person is justified. Only God determines actual guilt, not Bert. And thus the question is about Bert's justification. You see, this is what he told his family, that he is justified. He's not guilty. He is justified in holding a strict protocol of forgiveness, and he is not. The best answer is that there are some things that are partially correct. Biff did wrong, but Biff has admitted that he has done wrong. He has admitted that he has sinned against Bert while owning his need for forgiveness. They agree on that, but then Bert is wrong. But Bert is not justified that, that Biff has to do it a certain way. And so Bert has not stewarded his forgiveness problem biblically. He doesn't have a heart of forgiveness toward Bert. He's holding to a strict protocol for forgiveness to happen. He doesn't have the attitude of Christ regarding those who have sinned against him. Now, he is hurt, and that's important, and it needs to be stated. We don't want to take up an offense for Biff. Bird is hurt, and of course, we would expect that, and so we're not going to judge him uncharitably, but he has not submitted his hurt to the power of Christ, as Peter instructed us about walking in the steps of, the, of Jesus. And so as you continue on in that passage in 1 Peter, he said, When Jesus was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Now, it would be nice if all offenders sought to make amends with all offended people, that every biff in this life would always seek out all the birds and, and, and seek to be reconciled. But it is unrealistic to hold to such an unreasonable expectation because that's not how life works. This is not an American movie. To do so, however, to hold on uh, to people's offenses without wrestling through an attitude of forgiveness is a temptation to anger that could eventually lead to despair. And so we must deal with this reality in our fallen world. One of the more remarkable things about the gospel, Christ loved me while I was sinning. Bert, can you do that? Can you love Biff even though he has sinned against you? Christ would never let me off the hook for what I have done until I humbled myself before him and asked for his mercy. Stunningly, even though Christ held my sins against me, he loved me to death. If that kind of gospel expectation and privilege does not change and control our hearts, then the power of all offenders will always hold us down. And so Biff is in a, a significant problem here. Uh, Bert, I'm sorry, has a significant problem here. He's partially right and he's partially wrong. And that wrong part is going to sabotage his own soul, as the title of this article is, When Unforgiveness Lingers, Bitterness Enters. It's going to sabotage a potential relationship 
with Biff in the future. It's going to sabotage the fame of God. It's going to cause fractures in this church. One of the dangers here is that when you are partially right about something, it can blind you to what you are wrong about. We can be we can see the right that Biff has sinned against me, and if we're not careful, the, the rightness of our perspective and how we see things can metastasize to such a degree or an extent that we now have, have inserted other things into our rightness that aren't exactly right, and I believe that's what Bert has done here. Now, to wrap up, there was one final question that this pastor was asking me, and that is about Bert and Biff's ongoing relationship. And so let's suppose that their future relationship, so let's suppose that Bert and Biff could legitimately experience forgiveness by the power of the gospel. God neutralizes all the sins that are between them as they have agreed on them, which is not where they are at this point. So then the question centers on whether their future relationship could function as a trusted one, as though there is no sin between them. Now, in most situations like this, yes, that is, that is absolutely possible and absolutely essential. For example, my wife and I sin against each other consistently, pretty regularly. We sin against each other, but, but we trust and we love and we adore each other. Many of you have relationships like that as well. And so, of course, after there is forgiveness and there is reconciliation, there has to be ongoing trust in that relationship. Then there are other relationships where having that level of access to each other, having that level of intimacy after the sin event, confession, forgiveness, and reconciliation, to have an ongoing trusting relationship is absolutely impossible. So sometimes it's possible and it should go on, especially like in a marriage. It has to go on in a trusting relationship and you have to fight and work for it. But in other situations, it is impossible and even not recommended that they ever have a relationship again. For example, in sexual offenses, that comes to mind. If someone sexually abused one of our daughters... And by some extraordinary act of the grace of God, there was forgiveness requested and, and granted. I would do all I could to keep the forgiven abuser from our daughter. Forgiveness of sin does not necessarily mean the removal of future wrongdoing. I mean, we could forgive the person for what he did, but uh, there could be a possibility that they could do it again. You see, the doctrine of progressive sanctification informs us that we will never experience sinless perfection in the here and now. And so there is a potential that though a person receives forgiveness, it doesn't mean that they will never commit that sin again. And so it would be cruel to suggest the offender and offended pursue an ongoing relationship in a situation, for example, such as sexual abuse. The lack of an ongoing relationship is a sad consequence of our fallenness. I am not saying that this should be the case between Bert and Biff. Honestly, I mean, depending on what sins we're talking about, I think that Bert and Biff, they should get together in the future and they should have an ongoing relationship. I think some of the best relationships that you will have are relationships after a fight. 
a good fight where you just get down and dirty, not recommending it, I'm just saying, a good fight when you get down and dirty. And then the parties come together and confess to that, whatever needs to be confessed, there is forgiveness granted. I mean, once you go to the mat like that, you can come up and you can really be great friends. And I imagine that some of you, some of your best friends are the ones that you've had your biggest fights with. But it appears that Bert is not interested in reconciliation at this time. And so it seems the best hope for reconciliation would be a a third-party intervention here to help Bert come to a more reasonable attitude and a more reasonable response. I mean, sin hurts deeply. We all know this. And I'm sure that Bert is hurting deeply. And though forgiveness is the proper response, it may take him a while to come to that place in his heart. And so I would ask the Spirit of God to bring restorative care to his soul, hoping for future reconciliation, possibly with Biff, depending on what the sins are, of course. I've titled this, When Forgiveness Lingers, Bitterness Enters. Let me ask a few questions. And then we can wrap up. What is the benefit of pre-forgiveness? If the person who has sinned against you never asks for forgiveness. Number two, do you regularly ask those close to you for their observations about you? What are the advantages of speaking with those you sin against to understand the depth of the offense? or any blind spots that you may have. This is something that I would encourage, especially in marriages, that we need each other because we all have blind spots. And so if Bert and Biff could come together and talk about it, it could really be a fruitful conversation. Do you actively respond to the Spirit of God's illuminations as He guides you through the Word of God? What is something you have learned about yourself lately as you've leaned into the Spirit and as you search Scriptures so that you can grow and mature? Number four, are you practically speaking into the lives of your friends, helping them to repent well? This is reciprocal, not just them speaking into your life, identifying your blind spots, but you doing that as well. Why is it necessary to build a relational bridge for them so that you can have these in-depth conversations? When unforgiveness lingers, bitterness enters. You can read everything I just shared with you, including that long-form question the pastor asked, or, or the long-form scenario the pastor asked with the questions he attached at the end. And if you have a question for us, you can go to Get In Touch, and you can leave your question. Perhaps I can do a, a podcast episode for you. Uh, you can write it out in that form, or you can leave an audio message. Either way, uh, let us know how we can serve you. When unforgiveness lingers, bitterness enters. God bless. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com.